I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. The iconic content of a pilgrimage. If you have walked any part of the Camino de Santiago or any pilgrimage, I hope you take some time to remember these often very ordinary things that point to an extraordinary endeavor. Here is the iconic content of my pilgrimage. I suspect that inherent in every Camino is some degree of iconic content. Icon basically meaning a person, place, or thing that takes on great meaning. Whether a pilgrim brings a preconceived radar for these, or it develops naturally over the course of the pilgrimage, certain people, places, or things will gain significance and hold a special place in a pilgrim's heart for life. What is the iconic content from my pilgrimage, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Number one, my boots. I named the left one Martha and the right one Mary. And like in kindergarten, I literally wrote their names in Sharpie up toward the toes on the top of each boot. Martha and Mary were two of Jesus's best friends. Martha felt that the work at hand was most important and Mary was able to pause and simply be present. So I named my boots after them to remind me, one, to do the work and also two, to rest. Work is what we put our hands to. It's a manifestation of purpose and skill. It's solid, but in our culture, in my opinion, hypervalued. As a woman living in the South, having six kids compounded with other influencers, I am intimately acquainted with the tyranny of the urgent, as there is always something that needs to be done, not to mention a whole host of things that masquerade as being urgent. In light of that, rest can seem like a luxury. Truthfully, and I needed to be reminded of this, rest is a necessity. We die most quickly from lack of oxygen, then lack of water, but right behind it is lack of sleep. Work and rest go hand in hand. And in fact, we usually put them in that order, work, then rest. I've been coached to flip the order. See the day as beginning at bedtime, effectively meaning that we rest first and then work. I remember toward the afternoon of the next to last day of my pilgrimage, I was so exhausted that I was literally dragging my walking poles behind me through the dirt, a little cloud of dust marking my passing. I couldn't even seem to raise my head much, which meant that I was staring at my feet as I plodded along. I freshly noticed the names written on my boots and it dawned on me one more day of Martha, meaning one more day of walking and one more day of Mary, meaning a day of rest before traveling home. This not only got me through the last part of the walk, but reminded me to savor it. Martha and Mary sit on my bookshelf at home, reminding me to enjoy my walk, the work and the rest. Number two, the blue suitcase. 
This is simultaneously one of the most humorous and significant icons I carry in my heart from my time on the Camino de Santiago. I thought I saw him once from a distance, but dismissed it as I thought my eyes were deceiving me. But then, when I was coming down from a plateau nearing Atapuerca, that I overtook a little band of brothers, two from Croatia, one from Germany, and one from South Korea. My heart memory recalls this bright day and this bright encounter, and I can't help but smile. We, this band of brothers and a newly adopted sister, walked along the Camino in the sun and talked about all kinds of things. The German, Fritz, was planning to go to seminary and had a heart as big as the moon. The Croatians were a ruddy pair with a tendency to spontaneously burst out into song. They reminded me of one of my daughters who would spontaneously break out into a skip. Their favorite song was a deceptively jolly sounding one. Later, they translated it, and ironically, it was telling quite a sad story about a rabbit and a frozen river. I responded with gusto with my favorite song, Nina Simone's version of Feeling Good. And finally, holding the place of honor in this story was our Korean brother. He was quiet, possibly because of the language barrier, but very agreeable and very much enjoying the entertainment we were providing. What was exceptional about him, though, was the bright blue suitcase he was rolling behind him. To be clear, this was not a backpack with wheels. This was your standard, older-modeled suitcase. From what I could gather, this young man had committed himself to a year of exploration and travel, and that he had unsuspectingly been carried along by that current to this current pilgrimage across northern Spain. I say unsuspecting as he was, after all, rolling a suitcase behind him as he walked. In an airport or train station, lobby hotel or city sidewalk, this scene would be entirely mundane. But on the Camino de Santiago, this was stunning. Many people talk about the inherent aspect of suffering while on a pilgrimage, that it is essential to the process. What struck me about this bright young man was how he interfaced with the experience of rolling a suitcase across northern Spain. He wasn't trying to enlist suffering. He didn't set out to walk this path with a rolling suitcase so that he would suffer. He was just simply walking and happened to have his stuff packed in a rolling suitcase. So he was just doing the work necessary to keep up with his stuff. Consider, though, that there are parts of this journey that traverse mountains, follow rocky paths with deep ruts, cut across fields where the ground is dusty if dry and muddy if wet. And let's not forget that the French Way is 500 miles from St. Jean to Santiago de Compostela. Here's the amazing thing. It was undoubtedly hard for him. His arms and back were uniquely sore from the motion of rolling it behind him. He had to carry it for long stretches. At one point, I think the zipper broke and he had to strap it together. But here's the thing. He was just doing what he needed to do. It was challenging. He was tired and sore and probably felt silly sometimes. But I don't think he would have put it in the category of suffering. I'm not sure it registered to him as suffering nor did he interpret it like that. That's a paradigm shifter. 
And that's what makes the blue suitcase iconic. Number three, heart-shaped rocks. My eyes were open to the shape of rocks early on in life, and it has continued since. One of my favorite experiences of this was at a lakeside wedding reception. I walked along the shore and within about three minutes had discovered four rocks in the shape of the letters L-O-V and went then with joy and E. My husband was repointing the stone around our fireplace, and if you know where to look, you can see them there. I was not surprised, but so happy to find rocks in the shape of hearts all along the Camino. It was the sheer number of them that seemed like a special gift for me. It seemed that if I had tuned my attention, I would inevitably find one, and another one, and another one. I could have filled my backpack with them had I kept them all. What a sweet affirmation along the way, like the stones were cheering me on. I remember reading a description of the Camino as being a thin place where the veil between the natural and the supernatural is very thin. And then a verse in the Bible, which talks about the stones crying out to the glory of God, mystery upon mystery, kindness upon kindness. Number four, yellow arrows. Although the shell is the official symbol of the Camino de Santiago, to a pilgrim, the yellow arrow becomes equally significant. I can think of a few instances where I was on the verge of despair, feeling that I had lost my way, the way, and then like a beacon on a lighthouse, there would be, there it would be, a yellow arrow. One day I decided to take an alternativo route off the main path and up into the hills. It was beautiful and I felt fully alive, but as the day progressed and I thought I should have already joined back in with the main route, I wondered if I had missed a fork in the path and taken a wrong turn. There, These were the moments that, because I was a woman walking by herself, felt fairly acute. The voice in my head went from curious to confused to annoyed to fearful as I kept walking very possibly in the wrong direction. I was realizing I hadn't seen any other people for a couple of hours, and now I was walking up to a fork in the path. With each step forward, I shed a few more tears, fearful that I was indeed seriously lost. But then, on a low rock covered with brush, gleaned a hint of yellow, which quickly took the form of a simple spray-painted yellow arrow. The power of the yellow arrow. Another time when I had accidentally ridden my bicycle onto the freeway approaching Leon. Spoiler alert, alert. Yes, I did ride a few days along the Camino. That story is called Bicycletta and is coming up soon. But this day, when I had ridden on the freeway approaching Leon and protectively took the first exit I came to, I rode down into a neighborhood that I didn't feel particularly safe in. Hmm, just keep pedaling, move in the direction of the city, turn here, turn there, down a road, down an alley, keep pedaling, and then, could it be, how could it be, a yellow arrow spray-painted on the side of a building, and as I approached, another on the sidewalk showing the way. When you know you are lost, or are pretty darn sure you are, what that symbol represents is a taste of salvation. Thanks to all of the people who have painted and repainted those arrows all these years, all the way across Northern Spain. 
Number five, a tiny metal charm. Foot care is of the utmost important when walking the Camino. We have some friends who I think make the best socks in the world. Shout out to Sockwell. So I brought a few extra pair that I could give out to anyone who needed them. I'm not sure Marta needed them, but I was drawn to give her some. I'm always amazed at hunches. If you're not familiar with that word, it's like feeling compelled to something, even though it's unclear why. I had a hunch about Marta, so sounds strange now that I say it here. I gave her some socks. We immediately became friends, like soul friends, and shared some sweet moments as we walked and ate together. One night in Burgos, after we had thoroughly enjoyed a nutritious meal at a vegetarian restaurant we found, she gave me something. It was a little metal charm that belonged to her mother, who had recently passed away. I felt like I was in an epic game of bigger and better, where teams start with some some small item like a paperclip, and then have an afternoon to go around to neighbors' homes and try to trade up for something bigger or better. One time in our neighborhood, a group left with a rubber band and came back with a TV. Go figure. But here, I was feeling like I had just scored big. Granted, I had given Marta a great pair of socks, but she had given me a significant family heirloom. I blessed her feet. She blessed my soul. Good on you, Marta. And finally... Six, dirt in my phone case. When I returned from the Camino, I hugged my family. I unpacked my pack, gave the gifts I had brought back, washed my stinky clothes, put my boots on the shelf, put the heart-shaped rock and the charm Marta gave me along with my pilgrim shell on my desk. I told stories of my adventures, including the blue suitcase and the yellow arrows, and slowly but surely settled back into my normal life. It was a bittersweet process. It wasn't until about a month later when my daughter asked for my phone so she could clean the dirt out of the case. I handed it over, but just as she was about to remove the case, I realized what dirt she was about to clean out. And I yelled, wait, that's Camino dirt. And it sounds strange, but what remains as the most present icon I have from walking the Camino de Santiago is the dirt in my phone case. (laughs) 